Hey, Crispin here on the North Shore Vineyard Church audio podcast. Today on the podcast, we have part 13 of our series on the book Philippians, Letters from Prison. Today is called Poured Out, where we're going to be not only looking at Paul's words uh, from Philippians 2, 17 through 18, but also kind of looking at them in light of Palm Sunday. So we're kind of, it's kind of a Palm Sunday message as well. Also, don't forget to not show up at our church this Sunday. Show up at the Greater Covington Center where we're going to be having our Easter service. We're going to be doing a combined service, just one service that Sunday. It'll be at 1045 at the Greater Covington Center, and it's a service for all ages. We've got lots of room, so you can bring friends and family, and we're going to have a good old time. So, hope to see you there, and stay updated with information on North Shore Vineyard, devotionals, and audio from the podcast and other pertinent information at northshorevineyard.org. All right. Thanks for listening. Let's head over to North Shore Vineyard, downtown Covington for the talk. So, all right. Well, today we are in part 13 of our, uh, a series we've been in on the book of Philippians. We find ourselves... At Philippians two seventeen and 18. But before I get to that passage, does anybody realize that it's a certain special day in the history of Christianity today? Anybody? This is uh, Palm Sunday? Where are all the palms? Did, y'all... Yes, okay, yeah. I, I knew, I knew. I was setting, I was setting you up, James. <clears throat> well, <laughs> st- okay, stop. <laughs> well, Palm Sunday, it, it's, it's, the day that commemorates Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Now, many of you may not realize this, but most of the ministry of Jesus was not done in Jerusalem, although there's quite a few pages that are dedicated to his Jerusalem ministry in, in the Gospels, but most of, of Jesus' ministry was done on the North Shore of the Sea of Galilee. <laughs> and uh, so... Some things haven't changed. He's still, the spiritual people are still on the North Shore. No, um, Jesus, Jesus did most of his, his ministry in kind of rural areas uh, around the Sea of Galilee for three years. Now he's, he's heading to Jerusalem. And out of all the times that Jesus could show up in Jerusalem, he picked Passover week because it said something about who he was. It communicated something about the person of Jesus. But not only that, when he comes on Passover week, he enters through the East Gate. Now, I got to go to uh, Jerusalem uh, about two months ago, and it was kind of a once-in-a-lifetime trip, really cool. And uh, I got to see this place called the Dome of the Rock. I didn't bring any pictures this morning, but the Dome of the Rock, it's, you've probably seen it before, this gold dome. Uh, it's a really contentious piece of real estate there. The Muslims, the Jews, everybody's kind of fighting over this one spot. And right now it's under Muslim control. Well, back in the um, 1500s, the Ottoman Turks, the, the Jews had had this hope based on several prophecies from the Old Testament that said the Messiah will come through the East Gate. And so the Muslims, when they got control over Jews, Jerusalem, they decided we're going to blockade this gate so the Messiah can't come in. So the actual, right next to this, this big dome of the rock, you can see where the East Gate is, but it's completely like there's not a gate there anymore because they said the Messiah is not coming through here if, if there is such a thing. And uh, so the, the Jewish hope is that 
from all the, prof- all the prophecies in the Old Testament is that the Messiah would eventually come through this eastern gate. And, but what we see on the day of the Passover and what we believe as Christians is that event has already been fulfilled in prophecy because Jesus already came through the eastern gate. What he was saying on Passover week when he came in is that he was the Messiah. And, and there was no doubt that the people of Jerusalem got what he was saying. Because as soon as he walks in, what we, the, the reason we call this Palm Sunday is because they cut palm branches off and they laid them in front of Jesus as he was uh, coming in. They also took off their cloaks and jackets and they, they laid them in front of, I guess not jackets, but uh, their cloaks. They, they laid them in front of Jesus. This was a sign. This was something you only did for the most revered, respective uh, people that you could find. So as they were laying down their palm branches, they were saying, we believe you're the Messiah. We believe you're this one who has come to rescue us from Rome, from the oppression of Rome. Jesus comes in on Passover, and, and no doubt the, the reputation of Jesus had preceded him. People had heard of his miracles, feeding the 5,000, healing the lepers, even raising the dead. And so you can't help but think if you were a, a Jew at that time, you're in the midst of the most, one of the most important festivals that you're going to celebrate all, all, all year. One of these f- festivals that was actually commanded by God to celebrate. And as you're reflecting on Moses and the miracles and all the, all the miraculous things that God did to set them free from slavery, here comes this guy through the eastern gate who has a reputation for doing miracles, and the Jews began to hope, maybe this guy is going to be like Moses. Maybe he's going to come in here and he's going to do miracles, and, and there's going to be plagues on Caesar and all kinds of crazy things, and we are going to be set free. But one thing you'll notice about the Passover is that Palm Sunday starts with cries of Jesus, Messiah. I mean, really, what they were doing that day is not that much different from the songs we're singing here this morning. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna. But that same crowd who proclaimed Jesus as the Messiah on Sunday, by Friday they were yelling, crucify him. Why is that? Well, because Jesus did not fit what they wanted a Messiah to look like. He didn't meet their expectations because Jesus, he didn't come with armies ready to overthrow Rome. He came in with a band of fishermen, ex-prostitutes, tax collectors. I mean, not, not your like crack team of, you know, <laughs> this wasn't the A-team. This wasn't the guys that were going to challenge the, the government. Jesus didn't come in riding on a a war horse or in a chariot. He came in on a donkey. Jesus didn't start start a a revolt. He didn't ask people to pick up their swords and, and overthrow Caesar. Instead, he showed us something of laying his life down, praying for his enemies, doing good to those who hated him. It didn't make sense. But Jesus was coming as part of that Passover story. In fact, what we would find later that week is Jesus reveals to his disciples that he is the substance of which all those Passover celebrations for all those hundreds and hundreds of years are pointing to. He's the fulfillment of the symbolic celebrating of Passover. Now, let's look at the scripture from Philippians today and we'll come back to uh, Passover in a second. 
Paul writes in Philippians 2, 17 through 18, he says, But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So too, you should be glad and rejoice with me. I suspect it would be a very traumatic thing if a pastor of your church, I mean, it could be me, <laughs> but, but I'm trying to put my mind around it. Like, so I think back to the last church where um, I had a pastor, which was on the South Shore, Kenner Vineyard. And I, I think of how traumatic it would have been if one day our pastor Phil was locked up in prison by the government for being a Christian. That would be kind of traumatic for you as a group of Christians, right? I mean, y'all might not be so traumatic if I got locked up in jail, but um, <laughs> no, you would. I know you would. I, I, I feel the love. No. Um, yeah, you might. Yeah, you might. Am I next? Uh, but Paul, Paul is writing these words from prison, and he's writing to a congregation that's no, no doubt having, having questions about what it means to follow Jesus. This doesn't look like the abundant life. It seems like the more they follow Jesus, the harder things get. The guy who planted their church a few years before, uh, when there were just a handful of women out, outside of the city and started the church with this women's Bible study, the, the guy that did that is now locked up, might even face the death penalty. But Paul, in, in the midst of this thing, he says, even if I'm supposed to be a drink offering poured out on the sacrifice of your service, Rejoice with me. Now, I suspect most of you don't know what a drink offering is. Um, I didn't really know what a drink offering was. But here's what a drink offering is. It's, uh, as I've said the last few weeks, Paul is consistently tying in his words to Old Testament uh, ideas and scriptures. And, and a drink offering in the Old Testament was when you would go to make an offering, whether it was grain or, or even a, a sacrifice, uh, animal, you would, you would also accompany it, accompany it with a, like a glass of wine or, or the equivalent of a glass of wine. And, and why would you do that? Why would you take a good glass of wine and, and, and kind of pour it out when you present your offering? Well, the idea of wine under the Old Covenant was, was this idea of joy. So your sacrifice, the thing that is kind of uh, atoning for your sins, kind of setting things right with God, is accompanied with pouring out wine. And it's a symbol of joy at what God is doing. What is Paul saying here? He's saying, look, I know you guys may be getting bummed out at at what's going on with me. Some days I get bummed out. but, But even if I'm just supposed to be poured out on the sacrifice of your service. So he's looking at what the Philippians are doing as a church as a sacrifice. You guys are are sacrificing to follow Jesus. It's not easy. And so even if I'm that drink offering that accompanies your sacrifice and I'm poured out right now, then so be it. Rejoice with me. Don't get discouraged. Be happy. Rejoice. This is a good thing. You know, one thing about a drink offering that that I I think it, it speaks of is it speaks of intentionality. In other words, Paul isn't saying, I'm, I'm, my life is going to be spilt for no reason. He says, even if I'm to be poured out. Poured out is an intentional thing. Paul is in jail, sure, but he's not there for no reason. 
He's there because he has deliberately laid his life down for the gospel daily. He has followed after Jesus. He's, he's stepped away from all kinds of things that, that he had in this world. And, and, and he's, he's now ended up in this prison cell. No one is taking his life from him. He is offering it. He's pouring his life out. And no, no doubt that even though Paul has the scriptures from the Old Testament in light when he's saying this, he also has the picture of Jesus. And I think there's probably, you know, this, this is a great scripture to look at when it happens to be Palm Sunday because what we see with Jesus and, and what absolutely offended most of the people in Jerusalem at the time was Jesus, our Messiah, that's the thing that characterized him is that he was broken and poured out. He didn't try to overthrow things. He didn't pick a fight. He didn't pick a fight with the evil of Rome, but rather he came to defeat the evil behind Rome and behind every other totalitarian regime, every other act of violence, every other act of exploitation that had occurred in the history of mankind. He picked a fight by laying his life down. So Jesus, he comes into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. But one of my favorite pictures that you can see in the New Testament is when Jesus goes to celebrate the Passover with his own disciples. And I love this. Because in that evening, this is, this is one, he even says in the scriptures before, he says he's, he's longed to celebrate this meal with them. He's looked forward to it because the Passover meal that night, he's going to, to, to let them in on something that all the Passovers that have been celebrated since the first Passover were pointing to what he's about to do. Remember Jesus when he got baptized. You, you, you might have recalled this, but John the Baptist, when he sees Jesus coming, what does he say? He says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of all the really cool people. <laughs> takes away all the sins of the Jews. Takes all, no, takes away the sins of the world. That's the real key to our understanding what Jesus was showing them that night. See, l- l- let's rewind back to what Passover. Here's a, here's a little kind of idiot's guide to Passover. Not that any of y'all are idiots, but uh, it's, it's, it's more from my understanding. So I'll be the idiot here. But uh, Passover was the final miracle that, that broke the children of Israel free from their captivity in Egypt. They'd been slaves for 500 years. And Moses was raised up to, to challenge Pharaoh. And he, he does one miracle and plague after another to try to get to Pharaoh's heart. And, 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 and Pharaoh keeps hardening his heart. And so finally God says, okay, I'm going to do the last thing here. And, and this is going to, to decisively set my people free. He says, here's what I want you to do. You're going to celebrate this new meal and, and, and this is called Passover. And you're going to celebrate this not only tonight, but every year when it gets to this time, you're going to remember what I'm, I've done for you. And here's how you celebrate this meal. I want you to put on your travel clothes. You, you, you know, put on something comfortable because you're about to hit the road. Pack your bags. And you're going to, to sacrifice a lamb that night and, and cook that lamb for dinner. But you're going to take a little bit of that blood and put it on the doorpost of your home. He said, even you're going to eat 
unleavened bread that night. What's unleavened bread significant of? Well, you don't have time to let the yeast uh, make the dough rise. You're going you're gonna to make like tortillas tonight and, uh, and have them with lamb. And it's going to be a very quick meal. And so they did that that night. And, and the story goes, the angel of death passes through that night. Every home that, that didn't have blood on the doorpost, the angel of death took the firstborn. And so the next morning, there's weeping and wailing all over Egypt as, as they come to find that their firstborn are dead. But none of the Hebrew people have experienced death. And so finally, Pharaoh's had enough of them. He's like, get out of here. Just go. Had enough. And Jesus goes into the upper room with his disciples that night to celebrate the Passover and Jesus is, is, is helping them see that, that all that God did with Israel on the Exodus, it was pointing to him. But instead of Jesus' sacrifice setting just one people group free, Jesus was going to put blood not just on the doorpost of a home, but on the doorpost of the universe, that the whole world, everyone, could be saved. That everyone could experience an exodus from the slavery, not just of an empire, but the enslavery of sin and death, the stuff that destroys the image of God within creation. Jesus takes the, 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 the Passover meal with his own disciples that night and he, he reorients them to, hey, guess what? I'm the lamb. I'm the lamb that will be sacrificed for the sins of the world. And in that meeting that night, he also institutes communion so we had hundreds of years of the disciples of the children of israel celebrating passover leading up to this point and jesus comes as the fulfillment of passover but then jesus institutes kind of what for us as christians is our our version of passover in a sense he institutes communion the lord's supper the eucharist and jesus begins to point to his own being poured out his own being broken he says, do this in remembrance of me. You remember me each time you take this meal. But also, do this. Live what these symbols are pointing to. You be people who are broken and poured out for those around you. Don't take the way of Rome. Don't take the way of Egypt that is characterized by, by fighting people with the sword, by trying to overthrow them. No, you live as my kingdom people by being broken and poured out for one another by serving one another in humility, by loving one another, by leading one another out of bondage and into freedom. So this morning, I want us to take communion together. I'd like to invite my band, wherever they are. I see a couple of them here and there. Uh, you didn't get a good seat for, for this part, Andy. I'm sorry. <laughs> And we're, gonna, we're going to, to, to have a little time as, as we, we play through this worship song. I want, to, I want to close with kind of a reflection on what Paul wrote about in these verses. About being poured out as a drink offering. And I, I want to pose the question this morning. Are you living a life that is being poured out or is your life being spilt? Are you an offering to God or are you just kind of getting blown here and there by the whims of your emotions and the things around you? Are you living a life that is intentionally serving others 
loving others? Or are you just getting caught up in the stuff going on around you? Are you being spilt? Are you being poured out? As we reflect on, on, on Paul's words, as we reflect this morning on, on the, the life of Jesus, particularly Holy Week, the, the leading up to the cross, let's ask the Lord, where, God, do I need to reorient my life right now? Where am I just becoming so consumed with selfishness and my own needs and my own reputation and my own agenda? Where do I need to lay all that stuff down? as an offering to you. So as we get into this song, I want to invite you up. You can come one at a time. Um, not one at a time. You can come as Rose, whatever. Let's, we probably need to work this out a little bit. Why don't we start with the last Rose first? As we start playing, y'all can make your way down and, and you can take a piece of bread and a, and a cup and, and bring it back to your seat. We're all going to take this together. But as you go back to your seat... Let's just have a moment of reflecting, and then we will all worship together as we take communion. sin who knew no sin that we might become his righteousness he humbled himself and carried the cross love so amazing love so Jesus Messiah Name above all names Blessed Redeemer Emmanuel The rescue for sinners the ransom from heaven Jesus Messiah Lord of all His body the bread His blood the wine broken and poured out for love the whole earth trembled when the veil was torn love so amazing love so amazing Jesus Messiah Name above all 
blessed First Corinthians 11, he says, for the, he says this in verse 23, he says, For I received to you from the Lord what I also passed on to you. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your body that was broken. Lord, that we could find wholeness, that we could be reconciled to you and to others, God. We take this remembering your sacrifice. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for the blood of the new covenant, God. Lord, your blood that 
is on the doorpost of the universe, God. You are the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that this blood doesn't only represent our forgiveness, God, but a, a, a new opportunity for a new kind of life. Lord, help us to live in the light of what you've done. God, we remember you as we take this cup this morning. Why don't y'all stand with me? We're going to close with a worship song together. I just encourage you as we worship this morning to just let go and embrace embrace the Lord as we look to him